Uh, we're going to preach the word, if that's all right. We're going to talk about the scriptures and get into this a little bit. And today, I, I really believe that God wants to do something amazing in you and in me, like in our hearts. <clears throat> um, there, the, he didn't bring us here uh, by accident and for no reason. He didn't bring us here just to check off a box that we went to church. That is not why we're here this morning. We're here because the Lord wants to speak to us. He wants to show us something in his word, and he wants to speak to your heart, and his spirit wants to move in you and, and reveal something to you today. So I hope that will happen. Like, like this picture I keep throwing up there about this hard rock and this beautiful thing coming from it out of nowhere. Uh, that's what I believe God wants to do in us today, <clears throat> is that somehow break through our crustiness <laughs> our, our hardness, and from that, do something amazing. And we're talking about developing a thankful heart. Because I, I really think, too, that once we're thankful, if we are truly thankful, like if we wake up every day, if we live our life every day, and we are aware of what God has done for us, and, and that results in us a thankfulness, that changes everything about how we live. Right? It just changes all that we are and all that we do. And it, it lifts us up to this, this, this living style that is, that is above like the earth uh, in, a, in a way that is um, just humbling, but also gives us a sense of confidence that God is with us and that he loves us. Right? And that no matter what happens, he's got us. You know? And we are building our life on the foundation of Jesus. And that foundation can't be shaken. You can't be yanked off it. Nothing can come up against it. And so being on that foundation allows you to live your life like in freedom with Jesus. Like you can just live because he's got you. He knows what's coming ahead and you can trust him in it. I mean, that's cool. I mean, that's just amazing living, right? And so from this hard heart of ours, we're developing this thankful heart. And what I'm trying to do as we kind of move into this, like the, the Christmas season is tie these two kind of ideas together. That, that Christmas, the fact that, that God sent his only son, you know, and he's born in this humble manger, like behind uh, the town because there's no room for him in this inn. And, and, and that whole idea should just create this sense of thankfulness in our hearts right? That God sent his son for you and for me. I mean, that is just huge. I mean, that is big. That's bigger than anything else out there. So we're tying this, what Jesus has done for us in coming to this earth as a child with developing a thankful heart. And when we put those things together, I mean, you're going to live in power. There's, there's power in living, knowing who God is and what he's done for you, and then being thankful for that. And, and going out and living like that. I mean, that's just, nothing's going to stop you. Nothing. <clears throat> so two weeks ago, we were off last week, and I uh, hope you enjoyed that. We ordered in some snow from the north, and uh, a little more than we were supposed to get, but, you know, I can't control everything. <laughs> just kidding. And uh, so two weeks ago, we talked about how uh, Mary, we heard Mary proclaim of his glory. Okay, in this, the Christmas story, you know, Mary goes and sees Elizabeth, uh, the baby in Elizabeth's womb jumps for joy, leaps, and Mary is impregnated by an angel. And so this story is beginning to unfold about the birth of Jesus. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to travel a little bit with Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. 
That's what we're going to do today. We're going to travel with them and kind of see what God does in them and then pull a couple things out from there. And uh, we're in Luke chapter 2. So if you would, go to Luke chapter 2, open your Bibles, encourage you to bring your Bibles with you so you can underline and highlight and take notes and remember things that God is saying to your heart. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. Here's what it says. We're going to travel with Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. In those days, that's kind of cool, right? In those days. Like our kids say that to us, don't they? They don't mean it nicely either. Like that was back in those days, Dad, (laughs) like 100 years ago. In those days, so this is kind of referring back to those days, what, what, what happened, the events that happened. Remember in the beginning of Luke, he talks about how he did this thorough investigation to give us the truth of what happened. And so he writes, he says, in those days, so we can trust what happened in those days. Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Right? Good people, right? Hey, we're having a census. Everybody just gets up and heads out. (laughs) Oh, okay, I'll go to my hometown. I'm headed off to Buffalo. And everyone went to their own town to register. What good people. Like, that is so cool, isn't it? It's like, okay, everybody. It's like, you know, if you're a school teacher and you tell the class, to, okay, everyone be quiet, and they all just get real quiet. Everyone stand up, and they all stand up. <laughs> Simon says, and they all do what you say. That's not how it happens, is it? Not at all. But these people, this is how it happened. They all just, oh, okay, we got to go to our hometown. No bickering, no, right, no complaining. Verse 4, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judah, Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no, uh, there was no guest room available for them. This is the story of what happened in those days all the way to Jesus, the baby, lying in a manger in Bethlehem. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and we pray, God, that you would open our hearts, open our eyes to your word, to what is happening here, not just the details of it, but what it means to us, that you have sent your your son to the earth for us, that you saw us, God, lost in our sin, and you sent our rescue. You sent our Savior, salvation, to pay the price for our sin that we might have life forever. God, help us to have thankful hearts for what you have done for us. And help us to to see what you did in Mary and Joseph as they traveled. Help us to, to, to apply this and to see what you're doing in our own lives as we think about these things. God, we love you so much and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. So, wow, seven verses, seven verses, and they go from in those days to a baby being born in Bethlehem, okay? This is like truly a nutshell version of what happened, because we're talking, you know, 
weeks, maybe months of time gone by from in those days to the birth of Jesus. And uh, so this baby is now lying in a manger out back in a, in a, in a, in a borrowed stable or room of some sort. What, a, what an amazing journey. And so as we, like, as I think about this, as, I, as, we, as we dig into this thing, there's a couple things that just kind of pop out for me. And the, the first thing is this, that as I read through this and studied this, the, the first truth is this, is that God, God loves you. God loves you and where you come from. Like no matter what you've done or where you're from, God loves you. I don't know, I mean, you might be thinking about this story and going, okay, I'm not sure how you got that out of it, but okay, let's go there for a little bit. God, God's not afraid, first of all, of our past. He's not afraid of your history. He's not afraid of where you've come from or what you've done. He really isn't. doesn't bother him one bit. It's not like he can't deal with you. It's not like he, he, he finds somebody on the earth and he's like, oh my goodness, how are we going to deal with that guy? Right? Never. That never happens with the Lord. He's never afraid of what you've done or where you've come from or what your past is or who you are. Nothing has happened to you or through you or for you or around you that has been outside of his sight. Nothing. And he loves you. That's amazing. Right? That is amazing. Like in verses 1 to 3, uh, we just read about this in those days of Caesar Augustus, and he issues this, this, this decree that this census, right, this census should be taken. So about every 14 years, a census is taken, people have to return to their hometown, and they have to check in right? They check in, like they have to register, right? The emperor uh, declares this decree, and everybody has to go check in in their hometown, right? Joseph, think about this, Joseph did not, like, tell the emperor to do that. A prophet never told him to do that. Go to your hometown, you know, pay your taxes, register, do this assessment, get enrolled, you know, nobody told him to do that, God just had it happen. That's a piece of this whole thing that is amazing, right? How God is able to use everybody and anybody, whether they honor him or not. The emperor, anti-God, anti-Jesus, declares a decree that's going to result in the birth of Jesus right where he's supposed to be born. Only God. Only God can pull that off, right? Only God. And we still do this to some degree, right? We go pay our taxes, right? Got to go pay our, you know, vote, you know, register to vote. We pay our property taxes, vehicle assessment, right? Pay, 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 pay. That's kind of what it was about. In the Old Testament, that's what it was about. Either you were, uh, there was a census taken for two reasons. Either you were being taxed or you were uh, enrolling for the military. <laughs> you were going to be recruited, Right, you're going to the front lines probably, right? Those were the two things that they did these censuses for, was to know who's where and who can we count on to fight and give us your money because we need to build new roads. But, but the cool thing is this. Joseph is just this guy, just like you and me. He's just a normal Joe, right? He's just a normal guy. Nothing rich, nothing famous going on about him. He's not a pro athlete. He's not some super lawyer, He's not a doctor. 
Now, he's just Joseph, a carpenter. Works with his hands. Probably got cuts and blisters all over his hands. If you met the guy, he's a little older. You probably would have thought he's just a normal guy. You know, just a normal, rough kind of guy. Humble, carpenter. God is looking for just that right guy when God looks at Joseph. And the, the, the beautiful thing about that is, is that that could be you or me. At any given time, God could look down on this earth and, and just see you and, and have something specifically for you to do like he does. So God loves Joseph, and he loves where Joseph is from. Like Joseph fits kind of the bill. There's a few criteria that have to fit for Joseph to be the one. One of them is that he's from the line of David, right? And the second thing is he's, he's, he's engaged to be, mar- to be married to Mary, right? And she is this virgin that has been impregnated with the supernatural child of God. So he's, he's right where he needs to be. He fits this perfect bill of being connected to Mary. And you might even say, like, she is the better half. Like, she's the reason, right? She's the one that God impregnates to to have the son. Joseph's just, like, part of the deal. He's part of the package in all this. Let's look at the the account of uh, Joseph's calling in Matthew 1. If you would flip back to Matthew 1. This is is cool, how, how it unfolds and... And, and neat how God works in, in, in Joseph's life and how he, um, how he picks him and, and uh, who Joseph is in the midst of all this. So this is um, verse, uh, Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after, that, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Isn't that cool? I mean, this is just just Joseph, just some guy out there, some random guy out there, like he's engaged to this girl, and they have no idea what is about to happen. But God looks down, and he loves them. He loves Mary. He loves Joseph. He doesn't care really where they're from. He can use where they're from, and he uses them to do something amazing. And Joseph, the thing about Joseph is this. There's several things in that that, that, that kind of stand out. One is this, is that he's faithful to God. Joseph is a, is a humble carpenter, but he's living a life of faithfulness to God, to the law. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's a righteous man. That's important, Right? When God goes looking for someone to use in a big way, he's looking for a faithful follower. 
That's who he's looking for. Someone who is faithful to him. Another thing we see is this, is that he's kind and gracious. Joseph is. Like Mary tells him she's pregnant. If that happened today, if your daughter came home, mm -mm. right? Guys would start go grab their guns. Who is he? What's his name? Where does he live? Forget it. I'll Google it. We'll find out who this bum is. (laughs) We're calling it drone strike. I mean, we would be all crazy. We'd go nuts. I would go nuts. I got three girls, so I'd go nuts. I would. And this is Joseph, the one who's engaged to her to be married. Joe, <clears throat> I got some news to tell you. <clears throat> I'm pregnant. And he's, he's not sure about all this. So, so in, his, in his kindness and graciousness, look what he does. He did not want to expose her. This is just Joseph and his faith coming out at this point because the, the angel hasn't spoken to him yet. He's just, he decides in his mind, after giving it some thought, not to expose her to shame, but to quietly just break it off. That was his plan before the angel got a hold of him was to just quietly release her of this engagement. The pain of romance, right? Right there. That's what that is. Because in the Old Testament, both should be stoned to death. That's how extreme the punishment was for this kind of behavior. That you are pregnant out of marriage, it's over. Both could be stoned to death. That's how severe this was. So the angel speaks to Joseph Joseph's good with it, but that's, this is what we see is this kind and gracious guy. That's who God looks for when he's looking for somebody to do something big. Somebody full of faith, somebody who's kind and gracious. And the third thing we see kind of in Joseph's life is this. He's a good husband. He's a good guy. Like he's a good man. Right? He's just a good man. You know, like if you could be described as just a good guy or just a good gal, like a good person, solid through and through, that's a good thing. Right? That's a good thing. And so a thankful heart grows. It grows out of this appreciation of, of where you have been, good or bad. No matter what's happened to you, no matter where you've come from, good or bad, a thankful heart grows out of understanding this and that God loves you. That God loves you no matter what. And these two, Mary and Joseph, they give him, they give to God something to work with. They give God themselves. And he loves them. And so God can do something with that. The second thing is this. There's only two points to this whole thing. Second thing is, second truth is this, is that not only can God, does God love you, no matter where you've been or what you've done, but God can use you, no matter where you've been or what you've done. Isn't that cool? No matter what you've done, like think about that, no matter what I have done, I've, nobody is so bad that God can't use them to do something amazing in this world. In verses 4 to 7, so Joseph also says, went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came. I love that, don't you? For the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room, no guest room available for them. The birth of Jesus is what results out of God loving this guy and and Joseph and Mary just being available to the Lord and God does something amazing and now the birth of Jesus happens. Wow. 
This, is, this has got miracle written all over it. Like however you look at it, whatever angle you look at, and whatever perspective, whoever is involved in the story, from, from the angels to the shepherds to the magi to the king to all these people, to the town of Bethlehem, to the innkeeper who says there's no room, all of these people are a part of this amazing, miraculous plan of God. How incredibly cool is that? Like, and Joseph and Mary are just normal people like you and me. There's nothing like uniquely great about them. They're just faithful people loving God and serving him, and God decides to use them in a big way. And the stage is set, right? Like from the beginning of time, from the beginning of time, when sin entered the world and God God began to promise, even back in the days of Adam and Eve, he began to promise that that a, a, a Savior would come and he would crush Satan. All the way to this child now lying in this manger and Micah, the prophet, saying, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Like all of it, like from the beginning of time to this very moment, God has been working it all out, planning it all out, and the stage has been set. God places every piece in place. Everything. It's all orchestrated and arranged by God. Nothing happens that God goes, how did that get there? Like, that happens to us all the time, right? Like, what am I going to do now, right? That's usually how we say it. What am I going to do now? We didn't plan on this. This wasn't supposed to happen. But that never happens to God. Like, nothing happens that God's like, what do I do? (laughs) Never, ever. Everything's arranged, right? Kings and emperors and decrees, cities and powers, all of it, towns and shepherds and angels, right up to the trough and the hay, all arranged by God. Isn't that just powerfully insane? And the census, the census takes them to Bethlehem. Why? First of all, Mary didn't even have to go. This wasn't her hometown. It's his. She could have stayed in Nazareth. But she goes with Joseph. She's about to have a child, so naturally she would go. But why do they go to Bethlehem? Because that's what the prophets said, that the child would be born in Bethlehem. So naturally the king would declare an edict, and they would have to travel to Bethlehem, right? Just makes perfect sense. That's exactly how God planned it. So of course it's going to happen the way God planned it. That's the way he planned it. The only thing that was supposed to happen in Nazareth was just Jesus was supposed to come from Nazareth, Right? So that another prophet would be correct in saying that he came from Nazareth. And how did that happen? Well, we know how that happened. Because God puts everything in place. Right? The time came. Right? The time came. God's timing is always perfect. You see it there in verse 6? While they were there in Bethlehem, the time came. from the Not a month earlier where they would have not been there. Not a month later where they wouldn't have got there in time. But right when it was supposed to happen. Everything about it is miraculous. And everything about it should develop in us this thankful heart that God has done so much. He's orchestrated just so much for us, for you and for me. The time comes when the baby is to be born. Romans 5, 6 says this, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. When? At just the right time. Galatians 4.4 4 says this, 
when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under law. Wow. God is just amazingly good at everything that he does. And for us to be a part of what he's doing is amazing because it helps me and it helps us to appreciate him and to be thankful to him because nothing happens outside of his time. When the time comes, it will happen, right? Just stay right there with him. Stay right there in his time. Don't rush it. Don't lag behind. Just stay right there with him. And what's going to happen when the time is right? A baby is to be born at this very moment, in this very town, in this very manger. Every detail planned out and worked out by God. At just the right time, our rescue came. And Mary and Joseph, they're just willing. They're just willing vessels to be used by God, right? Eager to walk with God in this great adventure. Just, God, here I am, faithfully living for you, faithfully serving you, faithfully doing everything that I can to to promote you, God, in my life, in this world. And God says, there's a person that I can use. See, not only does he love them and love us, but he uses them and he can use you and he searches. And what does he find? He sees Mary and he sees Joseph, not perfect, but faithful. Someone once said, someone once said, your talents are God's gift to you, but what you do with them is your gift to God. Right? It's just saying, God, here I am with whatever I've got. I'm offering it back to you. Use me however you want. Use me, God, however you want. A thankful heart, a thankful heart grows out of knowing that God can use you, right? When you realize, when I realize that God can use me no matter where I've come from or what I've done, he can use me, I become a thankful person, right? My heart becomes thankful because I know I'm not a waste, right? No matter what the world may say, uh, God's got a purpose, he's got a plan, and he can use me, and he can use you. If Mary and Joseph's journey doesn't cause your heart, just their journey alone, if it doesn't cause your heart to grow thanks, then maybe the orchestration of all the details that God did on their behalf and for you and for me, maybe that will develop in you and me a thankful heart. Or or at least the sheer fact that the result of all of it was a Savior was born for you and me to save us from our sins, right? To save you and to save me from our sins. Traveling with Joseph and Mary should bring us to a moment of reflection. It should bring us to a moment of pondering. Like, what is this really all about? Not just the details of God using them and God loving them and them playing this immense part in what he was up to, but the very fact that he sent his only son here for you and me. Because we were lost. We were lost in a, in a world that wasn't our own, destined for eternal punishment in hell. And he sent his son into this world to, to, to bring us out of that, to give us hope, to save us from that direction. The journey resulted in a savior, a Messiah, like the greatest person ever to be born and walk on the earth came for you and for me. Right? Like if you got invited to the White House or you got invited to your favorite hero's house, you'd think that's pretty cool. Right? You go, whoa, that's pretty good. That's great. You know, and it might be just about anybody for you. Maybe, maybe a, a pro athlete, maybe a, a politician, maybe uh, some famous actor. I don't know. But the God of all creation, 
the Savior of the universe, the one who came from heaven, he like invites you to be a part of what he's doing. And he invites us to be a part of his kingdom. And this whole story is about God using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And, and, and he wants to do that in us too, right? God's rescue mission to you and me, light is birthed into a hostile, dark world, and we have hope, and God chooses to use regular, ordinary people who simply have a sliver of faith and trust in God and a heart for God, and God uses them, two people like you and I, to bring the one and only Savior into the world. That's a big task, is it not? And if God will do that through Mary and Joseph, two humble little people, he can do great things through us if we'll let him, if we'll just let him, if we'll just let him. And three little quotes I want to share with you. Mark Muser says this, the truth is that it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Jesus understands all your pain, all your hurt, all your loss, all your temptations, and all of your struggles. He understands everything about you. He truly does. It doesn't matter what's happened to you. He loves you, and he can use you. Isn't that good news? Secondly is this picture of this apple. And this apple is kind of cool, right? Just a simple apple. And, and the quote that comes from this, uh, Robert Schuler said this, anybody can count the seeds in an apple. Maybe you've done that. Cracked it open, counted the seeds. But only God can count the apples in each seed. That's powerful. God knows how many apples are going to come out of every seed. Do you? Do I? We, don't, we can't even take a guess. But God knows. And you're more valuable than an apple. Right? You're more valuable than a seed. And God can use you in a great way. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble at heart. And, I will, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites you. He just says, come on. Come on. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. He loves you. He can use you. And he invites you to come. And a thankful heart grows out of our realization that he loves us and that he wants to do something in us, no matter what we've done or where we've been. Have you, have you accepted him as your Lord? You know, in this season of Christmas, when we, we realize that God sent his only son, and we realize why he sent his son, and he realizes it's because of us, because we're lost. And our only hope is accepting him into our life as Lord and Savior, letting Jesus be Lord, surrendering completely to him, right? Letting him wash us clean of our sins, right? Immersed in him, in Jesus our only hope. That's the greatest gift you will ever get, and that's the greatest gift you can ever give back to God. And, and, and third, that's the greatest gift you can give to the world, right? The greatest gift you can give to the world is a life lived for the Creator. Think about it. Like, when your foundation is God, everything you're going to do after that, every person you treat a certain way, every act that you do, every behavior, every thought, every, every decision, the way you treat your kids, the way you treat your family, the way you go about your work, everything is then a blessing to the kingdom of God. 
right? When, when you're on the foundation of Jesus, right? Father, we love you so much, and we're thankful, God, that you love us, that you gave your only son for us, for each of us, not just all of us in general, but each one of us, every name in this room, every person, every soul, that you look down and you love us and you can use us and you sent your son to die for us. God, you're so good to us. You're so much bigger than we could ever begin to think or imagine. And the events of our life, every one of our lives are no accident. Every one of them has been laid out by you. And you brought us to this very moment where we are going to decide right now, God, what, what we're going to do with you in our life, how we're going to live, how we're going to go forward. And I pray, God, that you would be honored in every decision we make. That first and foremost, we would just surrender ourselves to you and lay ourselves at your feet and appreciate and give thanks to you for all you've done. You're so good. We love you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name.